Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Matthew 8, 23 through 27. And this morning I want us to consider two questions. The first question is, how do we respond when we go through a crisis, a trial, or really any difficulty in life? And secondly, why does God allow these trials or these storms of life to happen? You see, the world that we live in today with this COVID-19 pandemic, it can feel very much like a storm that we're all going through. People are getting sick. The number of infected has been increasingly rapid over the last few weeks and months. I see this every single day in the hospital as a nurse. Medical staff are running out of medical equipment to treat these patients. And it sparked many people to be fearful. And I see this every day on a daily basis. Outside of the hospital, there's a lack of goods that we need at the store. For some reason, people are hoarding toilet paper. And people are just not treating one another with proper respect because all they can think about is their own needs. There are those who are being hit financially. Many people I know have lost their jobs and they are now filing for unemployment. Those who haven't lost their jobs are maybe getting less hours than they used to be getting. Some businesses have closed down or gone bankrupt. Some people have foreclosed on their house. Some can't pay rent or their mortgage. And some can barely even afford to put food on the table. Economically, we're struggling as a whole. The housing market is struggling with people no longer wanting to have their house on the market. Some families are suffering due to the distance and it causes birthdays to be canceled or weddings that were once planned to be changed to a further date. You have reunions and vacations that are postponed indefinitely. And in many ways, this pandemic is a storm that we're all going through. And it just seems like wave after wave after wave, this storm is hitting us. And so my question to you is, what do you do when you go through a storm like this? How do you respond to the situation at hand? Do you become fearful? Do you panic? Do you worry? What do you do? And do you ever wonder, why does something like this happen to us? Well, as we think about these questions, I want us to look at a story in the Bible where there was a literal storm that took place with Jesus and his disciples. This story takes place in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. And it reads, Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O oh, you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? This story, it takes place after Jesus has been ministering to the surrounding cities near the Sea of Galilee. Jesus had finished healing a leper. We then read that he had healed a centurion's servant. Uh, he also healed Peter's mother-in-law. He had been casting out demons. And now, after ministering to these people, it says that Jesus got in a boat with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. Now, I was just at the Sea of Galilee back in March. And I can tell you for a fact that this sea is not the first place that I would imagine a storm occurring. Honestly, it seemed much more like a lake than anything else. The dimensions of this lake, or this Sea of Galilee, 
is 13 miles long, 8 miles wide. But it, it's a very unique lake or sea in the sense that it's actually 700 feet below sea level. It's the lowest freshwater lake on Earth and the primary, or the primary source of the water that it gets comes from the Jordan River. There's also warm air that covers the sea, but this sea also happens to be surrounded by these eastern mountains that send cool air over the top, and when the cool and the warm air collide, you begin seeing these significant winds pick up, and they stir up the sea and ultimately produce these large waves. And because of these reasons, the Sea of Galilee is known for having sudden storms that can arise, and they can be quite dangerous. In fact, back in 1992, it was recorded that there were even waves as large as 10 feet high on the Sea of Galilee. And you have the disciples that Jesus is with. They were fishermen, or some of them were fishermen by trade, and they'd be pretty familiar with the sea itself. This would have been their source of income. This is where their livelihood was found. It was a place where, before they began following Jesus, you would find them most days of the week. And inevitably, they would have known that there are sudden storms that can occur. They would have known about the dangers. They would know of the potential for what could happen. They would be what we consider the experts of navigating this sea. And so the disciples, they decide to follow, upon, decide to follow Jesus. They get into the boat on the Sea of Galilee. Keep in mind, too, that these boats that they got onto, they're not puny little rowboats. They're actually decent-sized boats. They had at least fit 13 passengers with Jesus and his 12 disciples. And there was actually a replica that we saw of one year when the Sea of Galilee receded some of the water during a drought. There was a replica boat found that was 27 feet long and 7.5 feet wide. And so that kind of gives you an idea of what the boats would be like. So not huge, massive boats, but not tiny rowboats either. But anyways, the boat itself, <clears throat> it appeared after a while that it was just being overwhelmed by this storm. It probably began filling up with water to the point where they felt as though the boat was just going to sink because they couldn't get the water out fast enough as quickly as it was pouring in. And they probably were worried that the boat itself would not withstand the beating after wave after wave of it crashing against it. And now before we go any further in this story, I just want to notice that this storm took place not because the disciples were doing something wrong or because they were doing their own thing. It actually says that they were following Jesus and then the storm occurred shortly after. Which means that as believers in Christ, we will endure trials. We will endure storms of life even when we are at the center of his will. A Christian is not immune to trials or hardships or storms of life. God knew full well that this storm was going to occur before it ever took place. God was not surprised that the storm had started, and yet God still allows a believer to go through these difficulties in life for the purpose of strengthening their faith. And I think the most obvious case I can show you is found in the life of Job. The Bible says that Job was a righteous man. This is not someone who is living his own life and doing things according to his own will. No, he was following God. And in fact, God even has this conversation that we have insight to between God and Satan, where he says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on all the earth, 
a blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil. And this is God's description of Job, a man who's following his will, a man who is in the will of God. And yet God allowed Job to be stripped of his family, stripped of his possessions, and he endured physical ailments, and he endured sorrow unlike anyone who had ever endured before him. God allowed these trials to take place in Job's life for a reason. And you see, the entire purpose of today's lesson is to grow and to expand our faith and in turn to trust God more and more each day. And so Christians, like I said, are not immune to storms in life. And in fact, we should expect them to come because God is using them as character-building tools to further our faith and to further our dependency upon Him. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 23, and it's such a great reminder to me that the Lord is my shepherd as I go through life. And as we read it, we love to read about him leading us through green pastures and through the calm and still waters. But we forget that the next part says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Meaning that there is going to be some difficulties or difficult areas that the Lord may lead us through. And yet, how does David, the psalmist who wrote it, say he'll respond? David says, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, our response in a storm says a lot about our faith in God. And I really want us to look at a contrast between the two reactions uh, during this storm. <clears throat> the first reaction being the, being the Lord Jesus himself. And the second reaction being the disciples. As we look at Jesus' response, it says that he was asleep. <laughs> He must have been tired. He was ministering to crowds all day. He had been healing various ones. He was exhausted. And after long days and activities, it says he fell asleep. And that statement in and of itself is pretty profound to me because it shows the humanity of Jesus. It shows that he was human like you and I. He experienced fatigue. He experienced what it's like to need rest. Though he was still fully God, he was fully man. And his humanity is displayed here, showing us that he had the same basic needs that we have on earth. In other passages, we read that he was hungry. On the cross, it said that he thirsted. And now in this passage, it says that he slept. And being asleep on the boat, it shows that Jesus was at peace. Despite all the waves rocking the boat and all the winds howling, there was no fear in him. There was no worry. There was no panic. He literally could rest assured that his father had led him onto the Sea of Galilee according to his will, and he was going to use this storm for his glory and for his purpose. Which tells you that when we are at the center of God's will, we can follow the example of Christ and take peace in knowing that even in the midst of a storm, there is no need for worry or fear or anxiety. No matter what trial or what difficulty comes, God is in control, and we can take great peace knowing that. <clears throat> well, let's look at how the disciples reacted to the situation. And keep in mind, these are experienced men who were mostly, or most of them, were fishermen by trade. They had seen a thing or two at sea. They know when things are getting bad. They know when things are unsafe at sea. And at this point, they had probably tried all they could do to steer the boat. They were probably dumping out whatever water they could from the boat. But at this point, they don't see hope. They don't see themselves being able to fix the problem. This was a severe storm. 
And they realize that we cannot wait any longer. We have to do something. And so what they do is they wake up Jesus and they say, Lord, save us, we're perishing. And in parallel passages in Mark, it says that they said to Jesus, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? You see, their their fear for the storm and of losing their own lives caused them to doubt the Lord's care for them. All they could see was the storm before them. And boy, was it ever intimidating. And so with their eyes fixed on the chaos in front of them, they could not see his care or his goodness towards them. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus not care that the disciples were going through this? And you might say, well, yeah, of course he cares. Yes. And you'd be right, but do you find yourself having that same question as the disciples in your mind? Do you ever say, Lord, do you not care that I'm going through an economic crisis right now? Lord, do you not care that I'm sick and that I've tested positive for coronavirus? Lord, do you not care that I'm struggling to meet ends meet? Lord, do you not care that my plans for the future have been put on hold? Lord, do you not care that I've lost someone dear to me due to this disease? Lord, do you not see the things I'm going through? Lord, don't you care? It's so easy for us to judge the disciples and think, wow, how could they be so quick to doubt him, to doubt his goodness? And yet, as I've seen this storm come by, I've heard this question being asked more and more. Lord, don't you see what's happening to me? Lord, don't you see the struggles I'm going through? Lord, don't you care? Does God care what we're going through? My answer to this is yes, he absolutely does care. In fact, in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, for us to cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Not only does he care for you, but he wants you to rely upon him to get you through any trial that comes your way. And that takes faith because we have to first realize two things before we can ever reach that point. We first have to realize that I cannot on my own human terms fix the situation. I am completely incapable of altering the circumstances that overwhelm me. And the disciples, they realized that. They realized this was out of their control. In today, uh, today's world, people realize right, right away that this is completely out of their control. They don't have control over losing their job. They don't have control over getting sick. They don't have control over canceled events or meetings that were planned out. They don't have um, really any control over this. And it's been an adjustment for us because we don't have the freedoms that we once had. And there's really nothing we can do that's in our control during this pandemic. So the first thing they had to do is realize that this was out of their control. And secondly, they had to realize that the only one who they could turn to during this time for help was the Lord. And to the disciples' credit, despite the fear that they had and despite the lack of overall faith, they did turn to the only one who could help them in their time of desperation. And so they pled with Jesus. They said, Lord, save us, we're perishing. And this really should be the case for us. During this pandemic, and really during any other storm you may encounter during your life, during any trial or any difficulty that comes your way, we should look to the one who is sovereign over all things. The one who will not allow us to endure more than we can handle. The one who knows full well that the storm is coming before it ever takes place. We can look to the Lord God because he is in control over all things. He is the only one we can turn to 
And the only one we should turn to when we feel afraid, anxious, or fearful. I really want you to think about to yourself, how have you been responding to this storm or to a past trial or to any other hardship that's come your way throughout life? What is your reaction when you find yourself in the midst of it all? Do you resort to fear and trembling as the disciples did? Or do you look past your fears and find peace looking to the one who is in control, the one who knows all, and the one who is still on the throne? I can speak from my own experience in this situation. I've battled with these thoughts of how I'm supposed to respond during a storm. As a nurse, I've been given the assignment to care for these patients, specifically. I've cared for many positive patients, even those who are being ruled out for the virus. And on the floor, nurses are experiencing this panic. In fact, we even have a group chat where on a daily basis I can read all that they're experiencing. And it's pandemonium. It's just absolute fear. There are nurses who call in sick, not because they truly are sick, but because they're worried of getting this disease. Many of my regular managers have either requested to change floors so they can reduce their exposure levels. And in fact, today I found out that my main manager has switched floors entirely because she's too afraid to come and visit and care for patients on that floor. Laboratory, which would normally come to draw the blood for our patients, is refusing to come down and draw labs. And so now it becomes the nurse's role to do that. Respiratory therapists are now refusing to do their jobs and give breathing treatments and inhalers to limit their exposure. And they say we can only call unless it's an emergency. I've had nurse aides who are supposed to be there by our side at all times come to our floor and walk away saying that they can't care for these patients because it's too risky. I've had even at times physical therapists that will defer their evaluations to us because they don't want the exposure. Some doctors no longer are wanting to examine these patients so they rely upon the nurse's evaluation to avoid the exposure levels themselves. More and more it's become difficult for us and more and more is being expected of us with less and less help. And if that wasn't enough each day, we have to beg for the equipment that we need due to shortages. And in a very real sense, it's a storm that I live through daily. I'm putting my health on the line. I'm putting my safety on the line each time I come into contact with these patients. I feel alone on this floor because there's no longer the help that I once had. Everyone else is pulling back and no one else is coming to our aid. And I'll be honest with you, when I look at the whole situation, when I reflect upon it, I feel like there is just wave after wave pounding against my boat. I feel overwhelmed. I feel like there's no end in sight. There's no one to help me. I feel abandoned. I feel in many ways powerless to change the situation. And my mind wants to resort to being like the rest of the nurses and being fearful and anxious about the situation. But then I remember that the Lord is my help in times of trouble. That when I have no one else to turn to, when I feel completely abandoned, I can turn my eyes to the one who is in control among all the chaos. Psalm 121, 1 and 2 says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, our help does not come from reading the news. It doesn't come from trusting in ourselves. It doesn't come from doing enough hand hygiene or enough wearing of masks. It doesn't come from worrying. It doesn't come from being anxious. Our help comes from the Lord, the creator of both heaven and earth. 
Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Through this time, we all have realized that this is clearly out of our control. And in every trial, we should realize that we are not in control and we are not able to get through this on our own. We all need help. But who will you run to for help? Let me encourage you that we need to cry out to God each and every time and each and every day for help. Every day before I go to work, I plead with the Lord to help me. I ask Him, Lord, protect me. Lord, allow me to be safe. Allow me to come back healthy. Protect me from spreading this to others. I ask for wisdom in caring for these patients. I ask Him to calm any fear that I have and to put my mind at ease as I endure each and every day of going in and helping these patients. We can learn from the examples of the disciples that when fear overwhelms their minds, they cried out to the one and, one and only God who could do anything about it. And so when we cry out to God and rely on Him for our time of need, He is available and He is both willing and available to give aid to those who call upon Him. So moving on in the story, the disciples, they cry out to Jesus for help and then in verse 26 it says, But Jesus said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And notice that Jesus wasn't rebuking them for waking him up while he was sleeping. He rebukes them for their lack of faith that was caused by the fear that they had. You see, when we allow fear to control us, it leads us to doubt God. Fear leads us to question his goodness. Fear causes us to wonder if he cares about us. Fear makes us question if God is still in control. You see, fear and unbelief go hand in hand with one another. But when we are fully trusting in God and that he is in control over the storms and over the trials of life, there is no more room for doubt or for fear. And also remember that no matter how alone or how abandoned you feel during a storm, remember that Jesus is with you every step of the way. When the disciples saw the waves, they may have felt alone, abandoned. Maybe they felt as though there was no one who could understand what they were going through. And yet they had the God of the universe there with them on that boat. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we have a promise from God that he will go with us, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. No matter how grim or how dark these situations seem, no matter how alone you might feel, no matter how difficult the storm is in life, God is right by your side each and every second. And as the disciples did, we can call upon him for our help. Well, I mean, up to this point, the disciples, they had seen miraculous signs that Jesus had performed. They knew he had authority over sickness and over disease. They even knew that he had power over the spiritual realm because he had been casting out demons earlier. But did he have the power over creation itself? to the level where he could even stop a, a storm? Would, would he be able to do anything about this situation? Or would we all just succumb to our own death? Well, it says, after rebuking the disciples for the lack of faith, it says that Jesus arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Seeing waves that were once crashing upon your boat suddenly obey the voice of Jesus. I imagine the waves and the water would have been perfectly still to the point where you could even look over the boat 
and see a perfect reflection of yourself. And the raging winds that were once storming against them completely come to a halt to the point where you probably wouldn't even feel a breeze against your cheeks. Jesus caused there to be a great calm on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus displayed to the disciples that he has full control over nature itself. The winds and the waves submit to him. And when he speaks, they obey him. I mean, what man has the power to control and tell the weather what to do and, and it listens and obeys him? The disciples had the exact same question in verse 27. So the men marveled, it says, saying, Who can this be that even the, way, even the winds and the sea obey him? And the only logical conclusion to this question is that this Jesus of Nazareth is none other than the Son of God. The fact that he can perform these signs before his disciples proves his deity. Jesus is who he has been claiming to be. Jesus is none other than God himself, and he has full reign and control over nature. And that should be an encouragement to us. As believers in Christ, it should be an encouragement to us that we serve a living God. God who has authority over any storm of life that may come our way. He has the ability to cause economies to rise and fall, the ability to heal sickness, the ability to give and take away things in life, the ability to tell nature what to do, and it listens to his command. He has the power over all things, and he has all authority over this universe. And he does with it how he purposes. And when this world is out of control and filled with uncertainty, God remains in control. And he knows that the storms of life are for our benefit. What do you mean, you might ask? How is it possible that the disciples went through something like this and that could be for their benefit? Or how could this pandemic that we're facing with COVID-19, how could that be for my benefit? What good could God possibly be doing through this? Well, I had mentioned earlier that God uses storms in our lives as a character-building tool. And now, I, I really want to just step away from this, this storm um, that the disciples were going through and look at the bigger picture of it all. Because in this storm, God was using it to grow their faith in him. In this storm, they only had a small amount of faith in this story because their faith was clouded by fear because of the circumstances around them. And yet, God was teaching them that through this storm, he could be trusted. They could rely upon him. No matter what they would face in the coming years or days, God was going to be faithful to them, and God would help them through it. And he was teaching them that they could confidently walk with him, knowing that they were never alone because he would go before them. And one of the greatest evidences of growth in these disciples' lives is seen in the first few chapters of Acts. In one event, and there are many other events, but just in one event, Peter and John were telling others of the good news, the gospel, that Jesus came into this earth to die for sinners, that he was buried and rose again from the grave. And they also were healing uh, people, and they healed a man. And the religious rulers and leaders at the time, they didn't like what they were seeing. They didn't like what they were hearing. And so what they did was, they had Peter and John arrested, and they were brought before the high priest, the rulers, the elders, and the scribes at the time, all men who had great authority and great power to do with these men however they wanted. And so this could be a moment for fear. It could be a moment for trembling. They're now arrested. They're going to be tried before these religious leaders. What are they going to do to us? 
Is there going to be a severe punishment for us? Are we going to be put in prison for you know, a long time? Or is it going to even lead to death? What's going to happen to us? Naturally speaking, it would be a time of great fear. And yet, the opposite happens. Peter and John's response is not one of fear or trembling, but rather of boldness and confidence in the Lord. They weren't fearful of what these men would do, because they found peace in knowing that God was there with them. They thought to themselves, what can man do to us? We have God on our side. They told the men that Jesus Christ had given them the authority and the power to do all this. And it says in Acts 4, 13 and 14, 14, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that, that they had been with Jesus. And seeing that the man had been healed, standing with them, they could not say, they could say nothing against it. And you see, the disciples, they grew in their faith over the course of Jesus' ministry on the earth. And even after he ascended back to heaven, their, their faith grew more and more. And God helped them through that. God allowed the men to leave unharmed, with no punishment, and without any serious trial before them. You see, that storm they went through all the way back on the boat, was a character-building lesson of faith. They needed to learn that God could be trusted in all situations, whether their life was on the line at the sea or in the court of law before rulers and high priests. No matter what the circumstances, God was there with them in their time of need as their helper. And the same is true of us today. Whether it's this pandemic or any other storm in life, God allows us to go through. It is for our benefit to help us to grow in our dependency upon Him, to help us to learn to trust Him, and that He is using this situation for our good. He wants us to grow in our faith, and He wants us to look if he, he just wants us to look past the fear, the panic, the anxiety that would naturally come to us, and instead find peace in knowing that He is fully in charge of what happens, to take courage in knowing that He has full knowledge of what's happening. And that he is completely in control over this. God is using this situation with COVID-19 to bring the world to its knees. To have them pray and seek his help. God is trying to get us to depend upon him. One of my life verses is found in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. The point of this verse is very simple. I can think to myself, I can do this on my own. I can make it. I don't need God through this time. I don't need God through this storm. But in reality, I can't do this on my own. Through this storm, through this trial, I am brought to my knees with a simple realization that I am incapable of doing it on my own without the Lord. It is the Lord who sustains me every second that I'm going through this storm in life. And it's going... And I'm going through it, and I'm going to get through this storm because he has brought me through it, not because of my own doing. So because he is my help and my God, I will trust in him with my whole heart, and I will not rely upon my own ways or my own thinking. He will show me what to do. He will be the one that I will run to. And the reason is because I firmly place my faith in his unchanging ways. We can take comfort in knowing that God does not change. 
He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is reliable, and He will always be there when we need Him. And as we go through this storm together in the next weeks, in the next months, let us keep our eyes fixed, not on the fear or uncertainty before us, but upon the Lord God, the one who speaks, and even the winds and the waves obey his command. And maybe you're listening today and you realize you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've heard of him through stories like today's, but you don't know him personally. I firmly believe that God is using this pandemic to wake you up to your need for a relationship with him. I believe God is using this to bring you face to face with the reality that life is short and extremely fragile. And now, more than ever, with no stores being open, with less activities or events, and with none of the usual distractions you'll have, take the time to seriously consider where you would go if you died today. Do you know for certain that it would be in heaven? You know, the Bible says that it's it's a, possibility, it's, it's, it's a real thing that you can clearly know 100% certainty where you'll spend eternity after you die on this earth. You see, all humans are born sinners. We are incapable of being perfect on our own doing. And the punishment for our sin is death. Unlike COVID-19, sin has 100% mortality rates without any intervention. There is no human cure for it. You can't be good enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't read your Bible enough to fix your sin problem. It's an awful disease that all the world has. And yet, just when all hope seems lost, God decided to send his own son, Jesus Christ, the very one we're reading about this morning, to come to this earth as a man. And he is perfect, and he was willing to die in your place for your sins. So that you yourself don't have to pay for those sins. And he not only died, but he also rose again from the grave. And the best part about it is that he offers this gift to you freely. This gift of salvation is open and available to anyone. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. All you must do is simply place your faith in him and what he did on that cross and you will be saved. During this time, my prayer is that you will make the most important decision you could ever make of trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And as we go through this pandemic, let us just look and fix our eyes upon the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we're just thankful for your word. We're thankful for the things we learn through it, Lord. We're thankful that, Lord, through the storms and trials of life, we can look to you. You are the one who will get us through these storms and trials. Lord, we don't have to fear, we don't have to be worried, we don't have to be anxious. Because, Lord, you are our help. You are our guide through life. And, Lord, with you we have peace. And with you we have total calmness. Because we know that you are in control. I pray, Lord, there's someone today who's listening that doesn't yet know you as their own Savior. That, Lord, they would consider their eternity. And consider the reality of where they'll go after they die. Lord Jesus, I just pray that they would choose today to trust you. And I pray all these things in your name. Amen.